Welcome, everyone, to the Robin Walter Show. God bless you. It is good to be back in front of the microphone. Those of you last week heard a pre-recorded message. Uh, well, they're all pre-recorded, but I had recorded it ahead of time because I was traveling. I love the message I did. I hope you were blessed by it. And I want to remind everyone listening to this program of the Sunday morning with Robin Walter that you can hear on a podcast. And, and there's different ways. If you go on Rumble, you're going to just type in the Robin Walter Show for that uh, program, and it's going to pull up both programs, and you'll see which one's a sermon, which one is the Robin Walter Show. The last one is on top. Whichever I've done last, which will be on top, will be uh, the sermon for tomorrow. Um, and then on the uh, uh, Internet page, web page, you type, uh, there'll be two choices, The Robin Walter Show or Sunday Morning with Robin Walter. And for everyone else, uh, you'll just, you'll find a, a separate link. If you go in on your podcast button, The Robin Walter Show, that'll give you this program, Sunday Morning with Robin Walter, is a separate entry, which you'll put in there. And if you listen to it a couple of times, it'll bubble to the top of your list. So I hope you, I hope you listen. I am enjoying doing both programs. They complement each other, I sense anyway. And um, honestly, whether people like it or not, I'm going to keep doing it because that's I need to I do I need to do some preaching. Uh, as I mentioned, I start each program with some good news. I love this piece coming coming up here. Auburn University. Nobody really knows where Auburn is, right? Well, it's in Alabama, and guess where it's in? Auburn, Alabama. How about that? I think it might be the biggest university in Alabama. Uh, you hear about them in football more than anything else. And they had an event last week where a Christian group came on and had a ministry event, and it was very well attended. And keep in mind, Auburn is a secular school, and not a religious school at all. It's a secular school. It's a well-attended uh uh, evangelistic event, I guess you would say. And then there was one person in the crowd who said that they had accepted the Lord and they wanted to be baptized and they couldn't be there. So they all trucked down to a lake on the campus or right next to the campus. I'm not exactly sure where it is. Uh, down to a place called the, the Red Barn. I guess there's a barn down there by the lake. And by the time it was done, 4,000 students, 4,000 students at a secular university were in attendance. And I saw the pictures, and I really do think it was 4,000. It was about 200 got baptized, accepted the Lord and got baptized. You know, it's one thing last year when we had this little kind of uh, spate, if you will, not a spate, but a little... What's the word I'm going for? Help me here. Uh, it, it, we had this little revival uh, series going on in different campuses. 
in the Mid-South and Kentucky and, and Tennessee, and I think Arkansas, and one in northern Alabama. Well, that's great when there is a revival on a Christian campus where there's students that are maybe kind of dead, frankly. Maybe they've never been alive. But when you see it happen on a secular campus, now admittedly, it's in the South. It's in the Bible Belt. Probably are a lot of Christians going to Auburn. But a lot of them that aren't. At least 200 of them that aren't. And they actually had to stop the baptisms because of the lateness of the hour and some other things. I'm not really sure why they did that. After all, Paul preached well into the night so long that one time that that one young guy, Eutychus, fell asleep and fell out of a third floor window. Was it a problem? No. Paul raised him from the dead. And so uh, this, this, this just thrills me when this is happening. And, you know, every time the enemy thinks he's got us, it's down, this, he's going he's gonna to finish this off, uh, God just must think, well, you know what? <clears throat> Watch this. Watch what I can do. I mean, I, I just, I just gotta love it. Okay, this program is going to be, for the most part, devoted to analyzing the debate. I do not think you want to miss any part of this, especially if you didn't see the debate, which you ought to go back and see it. You can watch it on Fox News uh, for free, obviously, on your computer. I don't know how else you can do it, but that's how I watched it because I had a client meeting that interfered with it. Uh, but I, I got everything. In fact, I actually liked watching it on the rewind because it allowed me to just stop and then move it back. I said, wait a second. What did he say? What did she say? And I'm taking down notes. And it's probably the way that I'm going to do debates in the future. I don't want to wait too long because I missed the moment. But um, I, I'm going to do the Fast and Furious news thing here. Uh, I hate to tell you this, it's more COVID news, but mRNA vaccine is now being detected in the breast milk of those women who got the jab, which means it's being passed on to their newborns. The recent study here, undeniable, a Lancet study, mRNA is found in 70% of the breast milk samples of women who took the jab, got the stab, and hope they don't end up on the slab. They got deceived. I'm not mocking them, not making fun of them. But I got to tell you, uh, we got some people who don't like humanity. We got some people who don't like civilization. Unfortunately, they're running things, or I should say they are. They think they're running things until a revival breaks out at Auburn University. Huh? How about that? Next quick thing here. Study, survey, survey says, well, 34% of all Democrats, now you know why I call them Democrats, or you hear this, 34% of them believe that Americans possess too much freedom. We have too much freedom. Now, these Democrats are not talking about the freedom to uh, for a 12-year-old to get a mastectomy or a 14-year-old to uh, get an abortion 
or 15-year-old boys to have uh, queer sex in the locker. They're not talking about those freedoms there's too much of. No, for them, there's not enough of that crap. They're talking about too much freedom to speak your mind. They're talking about too much First Amendment. That's right. They said that the that the government, they believe that the government should be able to censor users and content on social media platforms if the government feels that what they're saying threatens national security. End quote. You know what threatens national security to a Democrat? Anything that threatens their regime, anything that poses a possibility of putting them out of power, they think national security is the, and democratic absolutism and tyranny are one and the same. Over half of the Democrat voters believe that government censorship ability takes precedence over social media being able to post content that they feel is in the national interest. Not national security, the national interest. Cultural. It's in our cultural interest to not let certain things be said. So we want we want the big tech, the big pharma, the big government, the big corporations, all of those people who hate God, which is pretty much everybody in a position of power, except for what? Those students at Auburn University. That's right. Well, guess what? These They aren't in control, but there's a sense and a feeling that they are. They feel like they are. And we're going to talk some about this from a biblical perspective, almost exclusively on Sunday morning with Robin and Walter. So I, I, it's just it's just amazing. That's why I call them democrats. And is this country divided? It's been divided so long. It's why going back to 1997 and my first radio program on a Christian station in L.A. And they did not invite me back. I said this country is going to split. You can look at the direction of things and you can then project and connect the dots. The country can't stay together and it won't. We will have civil war, maybe secession for certainty. Who will start the civil war? The left, when the right leaves, wants to take their marbles and go home. But there are all kinds of pieces of evidence of this occurring. And I mentioned about two months ago the fact that in one survey they said that there are We've never been at a time where more people have sold their homes to move to an environment that fits better with their political and moral inclinations. Never before. Because, you see, there was a time when California was Republican. How about that? Illinois was Republican. There was a sense of morality. And now people don't want to be reminded of their immorality. That's why it says in Romans 1 that it said that the people were at, are attracted to the idols of the evil because they no longer wanted to retain the knowledge of God in their conscience. They don't want to hear a prayer. They don't want to hear Charlie Kirk speak on campus. They don't want to see a billboard that says Jesus saves. They get triggered. They feel threatened. They can't handle it because they can't handle there's sin. And we all know there is only one way to handle sin. Do we not? Confess it. Here's the latest indicator 
of the split in this country. And that is there there is beginning, I wouldn't say an explosion, but it is definitely taking off dating apps. Dating applications for people's phone and computer are, well, if they're taking off, maybe they are exploding in popularity. One is designed for the leftists, for the liberals, for the Democrats, and one is for the conservatives, be they Christian or not, but they're conservative, but certainly with Christian values embedded in that. It's the, it's the greatest increase in dating apps are ones that are based on your political leanings. And you know what? I think it's a good idea. I mean, I, I, mean, I, can, I can go back to where, I mean, a long, long time of asking a girl out and saying, yeah, you know, I just not, I don't think that she's for me. Although before I got saved, I ran as a Democrat for the Michigan House of Representatives. Got gloriously, wondrously saved in a salvation experience, a little bit short of Paul's, but pretty un- incredible. And God flipped me in a heartbeat on virtually every issue I had in my campaign. So I get it. I would have started out that came get that 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 campaign, not caring anything about how, what the girl felt about anything political, because as I was really a libertarian, so I didn't really care. If you're liberal, conservative, I don't care if she's nice looking. Hey, whatever. Not after I got saved. I would have been to a conservative dating app if there was such a thing. And frankly, um, I probably needed a dating app to help me out. Next, this is unbelievable. Every year in the United States has about one million new legitimate citizens come through this country in the naturalization ceremonies. They have to pass a U.S. citizenship test by answering six out of the ten questions correctly. And in fact, I would encourage you to look up and take the citizenship test. If I had more time, I'd go through it for fun. We don't have time for fun on this program. We have time only for the news that you need to hear, at least in my opinion. 90% of legal immigrant applicants pass the test. 90%. Only 30% of U.S. adult citizens can pass the test. Are you sitting down? Find a nice comfy spot for this one. The passage rate on a 10 question, I took it. There's, uh, it's, well, anyway, you shouldn't have a problem with it. Three, only 3% of public high school students in America can pass the immigration test. So that leads me to two conclusions. Either we have to shut down the government schools, which, well, we need to, somehow. Just get your kids out of it. You're you're guilty of child abuse and child neglect if you've got them going to a public school. Sorry. You do. Or alternatively, we need to take these kids and kick them all out. Because until they can pass the immigration test, maybe they shouldn't stay in the U.S. Now, of course, I'm being facetious here. But this is how serious it is. 
Okay. We're to the debate. Um, I love these debates uh, to a point. And I will agree with my wife. There is a point where I can I can't stand it anymore. And it's when everybody is shouting and yelling at each other, interrupting each other. I don't know why who has the right to speak doesn't get to speak only on their own. And then the moderators just start switching off the mics of everybody who doesn't have the right to speak. And I'm going to point out an incredible bias in this Fox News debate. And why the heck we got Univision on there, I couldn't figure it out until, oh my gosh, until I heard Ramaswamy's answer about sending children born to illegals in this country, but born in the U.S., back. Something nobody can really handle except Ramaswamy, who's so stinking smart, so quick on his feet. He's, he's, not, he's not practicing law. He went to law school. He recited the 14th Amendment and pointed out the fact, which we have pointed out in this program, that the natural, that the birthright citizenship applies only when the parent is here legally. If you sneak in to, to have an anchor baby, too bad, baby. You take your baby and you get shipped back south of the border. Too bad. So sad. Try it the legal way. Ramaswamy alone stood up on that debate stage and argued a point that is constitutionally right, morally right, that has been bastardized, the 14th Amendment, by left-wing judges. Oh, it was beautiful. It was sweet. So what I did was I started to rate them uh, with by each question. I would give them an A, A minus, B plus, B, B minus, C, flunk. I don't have the time to go through the questions. It's, it was instructive for me to, to get a cumulative result by doing it that way. I will tell you who had the best opening. It wasn't re- they started with the questions, but it was the, f- the best first response of anybody and everybody, and it dealt with uh, the economy and an inflation. I'll tell you right now, Vivek Ramaswamy. And he came out with a line. I'm glad he spoke it because somebody else might have planned to say it, but they couldn't repeat it. He said it first, which means he owns it. It's kind of like a principle in law. The first one to the courthouse wins. I don't even want to explain why we said that. I, I, I don't want to get into that. But he said that the, U, the UAW strike against the big three automakers in Detroit, those protesters are, are missing it. They should not be protesting in Detroit. They should be protesting in front of the White House. The crowd cheered. And, and, and cheering was suppressed or attempted to be suppressed by the moderators. So, you know, you know just kind of hold it. Hold it to the end or whatever. <clears throat> we want to get through all the questions and it's interfering. People couldn't hold back. He had the best opening and he absolutely had the best closing. 
But I want to get to a couple of other things before we, we, we jump to that. He had the best answer, Ramaswamy had the best answer on immigration, which I've already covered. And to tell you and show you, and I've said this before, how much people fear him, he's smarter than probably any three of the others collectively, but I would never vote based on intelligence and smartness. I mean, there's a lot of evil that's been sm that's smart. Uh, Hitler actually was a pretty smart guy. And the smarter you, you are, the greater the degree of evil you can conjure up and manipulate the people with, the opportunities when you go to fraud and manipulation are endless when you're evil and you have no intention of following the law. So it isn't smartness. It has to be coupled with a measure of righteousness, a measure of values shared, in this case with me. But my values are large, are primarily constructed of Scripture. But you can tell who's afraid of whom. And in this sense, this debate was no different than the first one. Who is attacking whom? Everybody is attacking Ramaswamy. Because he's the smartest, he's the quickest on his feet. <clears throat> Chris Christie is good. But, but you could tell, like in the last time, some of Chris Christie's arguments and statements were overly prepared. And Mike Pence was a flop. He should not be in the debate. He definitely should not be in the next one. He tried these punchlines, and they totally bombed. I don't know why he thought he could somehow win a debate by doing an impersonation of Mike Huckabee, who I personally like. But you don't debate by trying to be the funny guy. If something comes off funny, great. Let it be extemporaneous, spontaneous. I mean, do it as a natural flow of what you're saying, but don't prepare funny comments or remarks. Like Christie referring Donald Trump, he's Donald Duck because he ducked the debate, which he did. But for everything he said that actually had some truth to it, he blew it by trying to give Donald a name for a change, and I didn't think that went well. But any case, the attacks on Ramaswamy were so obvious, they want to put this kid away. And why do they want to put him away? I will dare say he is clearly, I can't say he's the most moral man on the stage. Ron DeSantis is a very moral man. I, 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 tr I struggle with Mike Pence, notwithstanding his testimonies, which he has the guts to say, and God bless him for that. But there's a bit of a dark side to him. And that is, I think he's in rhino land. That's why I said a couple programs ago, these guys all got rhinoplasties, which is a nose job, as you probably know. Not all of them. Christie is a rhino, but he is a very smooth rhino who knows how to stroke it up there. He does. The rhino got rid of Asa Hutchinson, finally. Burgum says things that are right. He does not resonate. He needs to go away. Don't dislike the guy. There is just, there's nothing that clicks at all with him. Uh, you know, he's the kind of guy who would do well 
and does do well in North Dakota, where gubernatorial debates probably are not televised because who they, they don't do that stuff. Anyway, I mean, you win the Republican primary in North Dakota, you're probably the, the governor. Maybe that's just the end of it. They don't have to be national in appearance and presence. They don't have to be presidential. But there is something to that when you're trying to reach uh, a couple hundred million voters. Of course, with voter fraud, maybe you don't have to reach 200 million voters. But anyway, uh, he, he was kind of a non-issue. But when it gets down to the morality, I, I'll give Pence the nod there because I'm not going to sit here and judge him. But the things that he says don't seem to quite line up with his testimony. Whereas Ramaswamy and DeSantis, what they say lines up with Scripture, even though they aren't up there quoting Scripture and, and putting forth a testimony. Ramaswamy can't because he's Hindu. But he's a Hindu culturally. I do not think he is a strong adherent of Hinduism religiously. I mean, after all, he graduated from a Jesuit high school in Ohio. But I share his values. I can't find a single thing I disagree with him on. Not a single thing. I've looked hard. He's the only one that's got the guts to tell the truth about Ukraine. And so the person who, in my opinion, won this debate hands down was Ramaswamy. And if you look at who's attacking him, you know who's afraid of him. Right? Voila. It's easy. If there's somebody whose opinions you like and you identify with their beliefs and their opinions, you know who you can find out who you don't like by who's attacking the one you do like. Or maybe you don't even have to like the person because, frankly, Donald Trump is not very likable. But someone with, with whom you identify with the core values. The core values. And... When Ramaswamy was saying what he, because they came back to Ukraine, he's the only one that says we have no business in Ukraine. Why are we protecting their border and we don't protect our own? We cut off the aid. And Nikki Haley took a new spot in my heart, and that is the bottom of my heart. No, not the bottom of my heart. I appreciate her from the very bottom of my socks. I can't stand that woman. I got to tell you, when I was listening to her, I thought, I don't think I could be married to her for 10 minutes. I'd have to go get an apartment. I, I tell you, she was awful. I, I despise rhinos, Republican in name only. There were some, there's a, quite a few there. There's a number of them. She's at the top of the list. And if I'm going to get gender specific, there's not a rhino I despise and loathe more than Nikki Haley. Because what Vivek Ramaswamy, Vivek, sorry, Ramaswamy was saying, which was right on, and he was sharing a biblical premise or precept about not meddling in somebody else's affairs. And as he spoke, there's Nikki, obnoxious, loudmouth witch, saying, yeah, and and give Ukraine to Russia. And give Ukraine to Russia. I do not I do not know why they didn't shut off the mic from that obnoxious stupid woman. I can't stand her. 
And in a couple of minutes, I'll tell you how I really feel about Nikki Haley. Would I vote for her if she is a presidential candidate? I'd hold my nose, swallow some castor oil, and probably pull the lever. But not because there's any love there at all. She says, I am unapologetically pro-life. And then she goes on to start whipping off the exceptions and how we need to find consensus and common ground. Common ground? Really, Nikki? Seriously? Well, Solomon had the idea about common ground, how to find common ground when the two women were arguing about whose baby it was. Cut the baby in half. There is no common ground on abortion. You either slaughter the child as part of some ritualistic hedonistic Old Testament offering to the gods of Ashtaroth and gods of Moab and so forth, or it is a life created in God's image from the moment of conception. There's no middle ground. I can't stand it when they do that. But when she kept battering and battering Ramaswamy, who just stays right on target, with a smile on his face... He needs to point his finger a little bit less. He does point up now. He doesn't point out. He points up. That's good. I'll tell you, I, and the fact that they did not cut off Nikki Haley ticked me off, and I'll tell you who I'm going to blame for that because this person is to blame. Now you'll get the answer to that in just a second. It is just getting good and juicy and a bit dicey. Robin Walters, don't go away. The Robin Walter Show is a listener-supported program. Your contribution goes to help as many people as possible to hear that the Word of God has answers to help you survive and even thrive in the dark days ahead in this country. We pledge to bring you the critical information you need to make informed decisions in this age where big tech and big media have conspired to rid our country of everything Christian. Please send your support to... Red Sky Radio, P.O. Box 99, Wickenburg, Arizona, 85358. That's Red Sky Radio, P.O. Box 99, Wickenburg, Arizona, 85358. Thank you. Well, we are back with the Robin Walters Show, actually uh, on Red Sky Radio Network. Getting back to, okay, so who should have pulled the plug on Nikki Haley? Out of bounds, off the rails, obnoxious, obnoxious. Put a sock in it, Nikki. I'll tell you who the biased one was, and I've liked her all along, Dana Perino. Dana Perino was so Nikki Haley, and he, she starts giving a shout-out to Nikki Haley about her husband's war service, military service. Where is that? Why don't you just turn into Chris Wallace 
and and show your favoritism. And I'll tell you who else did it afterwards was Laura Ingram. And she said, well, the, this really we really should be having a debate between Ron DeSantis and uh, Nikki Haley. No, there needs to be a good hook, big hook, and take Nikki Haley off the stage. Leave Ron on. Ron DeSantis did a darn good job. I'm not pulling him. I, I, I'm not. I'm not going to pull him off the stage at all. There are three people who did well, in my opinion, and in order, was Ramaswamy, then DeSantis, and finally Tim Scott. Now, uh, with Tim Scott, I have a little bit of a caveat here. The substance of Scott's answers were superb. His behavior at times, not all the time, his behavior on the stage was off-putting. And why? Because there were times he, like Nikki Haley, would not quitting interrupt quit interrupting Ramaswamy. DeSantis did not interrupt Ramaswamy. I don't think he did at all. And I've watched a lot of this. He just held back. He is a gentleman, a strong gentleman. Pence didn't interrupt like he did last time, but you notice Pence got moved to the far side of the stage. Because he's a low man on the totem pole sitting out there with Bergam on the other end as far as the ratings and the poll numbers. So that's my um, that's my thought here. Uh, they nailed Trump a few times. We're going to get that get to that in just a minute here. But in my opinion, it was Ramaswamy followed by DeSantis who did a very good job. DeSantis is getting better. I, it's not my first pick, but he is improving. I think Tim Scott is improving. He just needs to be a little bit more of a gentleman. He is a gentleman. He just wasn't at times on stage. And he's got a great story, a life story, and he's got some great ideas. And, you know, he he and Nikki Haley won't pick on each other because Nikki Haley appointed him to the Senate in South Carolina. So they kind of got this little agreement between each other. So Bergam and Pence need to go ASAP. Christie is interesting. Uh, I don't care for the guy, but I appreciate his oratorical skills as a lawyer. He is. He's a prosecutor. I appreciate how he can frame some things and does a good job at it. That doesn't mean he's right. He just does a good job presenting his side. But he's also going to just sit there and take pot shots at Trump every chance he gets. He will make it to the next debate. So in my opinion, the next debate probably should be limited to Ramaswamy, DeSantis, Scott, and Christie, um, and Trump if he, if he decides to show up. Now, I want to go to some things here. I want to cover Donald's Five screw-ups. DT is bungling a bunch of things. And we're going to go through them one by one here. But before I do that, interestingly, I don't know why they gave time to Gavin Greaseball Gruesome afterwards, but um, do you know who won in Sean Hannity's mind? It's clear. He interviewed everybody. He was hospitable to everybody. I think he really likes Ramaswamy, trying not to show favoritism. And he seemed like he backed off 
in supporting Ramaswamy in an effort to try to prove that he wasn't supporting him. And I'm also going to tell you why you need to vote for him. I'm going to save that to the end. i got too much to get to in the meantime. But I want to tell you who really won the debate. If you include the spin room analysis from Sean Hannity and others, hands down, the one who won the debate was in and out. In and out, burger. I, I think Hannity mentioned it five times, six times, uh, and he always put it in the context about, hey, California, you got $7 a gallon gas. I mean, and I guess you do. That's what he said. He saw it for seven bucks in Simi Valley. I know Simi Valley well. I know the Republican or the Ronald Reagan Library well. I didn't live that far from it. Great, great place. And uh, yeah, gas, I guess, is seven bucks. Haven't been there recently enough to know that. It's 409 in Arizona. I was in the Midwest where I was in the low threes. But In and Out Burger won. He kept mentioning them. And In N Out Burger, a Christian based burger. I'll tell you, the liberals cannot stand the scriptures that are put on the bottom. Where are they? I think they're on the bottom of the uh, container of fries. And I think on, um, there's someplace else. I can't remember. I don't, I don't look at them. I know they're there, and I periodically I'll look just to see if they're still there. But this is, this is a testimony to Christians who do a good job in marketplace ministry. Do the best you can, the best service, the most honest service, best product. People will come and buy from you, have you do work for them if you're good. Because the left-wing weenies still flock in and out. They do, because they love the burgers. They're about as skinny as a piece of paper, but doggone it, they're good. They are the best fries in the world the best fast food restaurant employees anywhere. States petition in and out to come to their state. Anyway, enough of that. I'm spending too much time because, frankly, right now I've talked myself into feeling like a, a cheeseburger, the double-double to be precise. So Donald, Donald has bungled, if you, and if you will, screwed up five times here Recently, number one, he did an abortion bungle. He has come out saying that in an in effort to put down DeSantis, he's calling DeSantis's call for a ban of abortion at the six weeks point. Trump is calling that stupid, ill-advised, stupid and a couple of other things. Keep in mind, Donald was pro-abortion at one time. Maybe he still is. I guess he still is to some extent. But Life Action, Students for Life, there's a whole host of organizations that are pulling their support for Donald Trump, who they have heralded as the most pro-life president ever. And maybe he is, hard to say about Ronald Reagan, he actually signed the abortion bill into law in California. Trump probably is. But there's some people on that stage who are clearly more pro-life than Donald Trump. So you've got these pro-life organizations pulling their support from Donald Trump 
and shifting it to DeSantis. And if DeSantis doesn't make it, they'll, I think they'd throw it to Ramaswamy. I really do. All of this is unnecessary. Totally unnecessary. He is so focused on beating the tar out of DeSantis, he's gone on to say these stupid things, and they are stupid, because what's going, listen, what is going to happen if DeSantis doesn't make it, but he is clearly the number two person, he should be the vice presidential candidate. Let's make it worse. Trump gets shot. Trump gets sick. Trump is in jail. Trump is off the ballot in 10 states. Who knows? For whatever reason, he's not running. And DeSantis beats out Ramaswamy everybody else. All the Democrats have to do to win is play every stinking, stupid, asinine, narcissistic attack that Trump has made on Ron DeSantis. Why can't he follow Reagan's instructions like Ramaswamy and DeSantis are? Rule number one, if you're a Republican, don't start out by attacking other Republicans. Don't do it. Make your case on the strength of your own arguments without having to go after others, which everybody did on that stage last night, except for Ramaswamy, DeSantis, and Scott. In, in this bungle of, of Trump here, he's actually eliminated the guy who could be, could, might turn out to be his VP candidate, but how can he pick somebody he's called stupid, ignorant, uh, a fool, a complete failure? All of these, I keep coming back to the word asinine. It is the word. Comments that he has made. He's shooting himself in the foot, but he's also shooting whoever, it could be DeSantis, might be the candidate. All the Democrats do have to have, to have a highlight reel of everything Trump said about DeSantis and Trump will be the biggest campaigner for whoever the Democrat candidate is. Bungle number two with Megyn Kelly. He bungled the tranny question. The easiest question in the world. The question was Ramaswamy and DeSantis um, will whip off an absolute... No way in the world are we going to support these surgeries on children or anybody, for that matter, these tranny things. I guess if you want to do it as an adult, uh, I guess you want to go uh, commit Harry Carey, if you will, uh, on your body in some fashion. I guess that's up to you. But when Megan Kelly asked him the question, do you know what his response was? Um, he had to stop and think. Now, he caught up pretty fast. No, I wouldn't do that. But when your response to a question is, um, to a question you should not have to think one nanosecond about, that reflects something that, um, well, I'm here I am saying, um. He thinks he has the campaign so, it all so wrapped up, he's no longer replaying to, playing to the Republican base. He's no longer trying to be the Republican candidate for president. He's campaigning for president, not for Republican candidate. He's campaigning for president, meaning he is pivoting to try to reach a broader spectrum of people 
than just Republicans because he thinks he's got that sewed up. So that, therefore, why is he does this little does this waffle on abortion, allowing for some abortion earlier on? He's against the late term and full term, and has this momentary brain lapse, seemingly on the easiest question in the world: What do you feel about transgender surgeries? It shocked Megan Kelly. Bungle number three. Nobody has mentioned this. And to me, it's enormous. It's huge. And it's not necessarily a Trump bungle as it is a Trump advisor bungle. Trump or his advisors had a great, fabulous idea to join the UAW strike in Detroit. Fabulous idea. The blue-collar guys support him anyway. They're like the Reagan Democrats. Now, the UAW leaders, they're, they're in an incestuous relationship with the Democrat Party. They sleep with them. But the rank and file don't. But I'll tell you, Trump or his advisors totally and royally screwed it up by announcing a week in advance that he was going to go down there and join the strike. How stupid. This is on par with Barack Obama announcing to the world, which means the Taliban in Afghanistan, when he was planning to pull the troops out. When do you tell your strategy on the evening news? Your strategy is your strategy. You don't go blabbing it out. You don't, if you're a life insurance salesman, you don't say to the person, well, here's my strategy for selling you life insurance. Not unless you want to be looking for a new job in eight minutes. But Trump goes and blabs it. And what do the Democrats do? Easy, simple. Well, this is a no-brainer. We'll just go down there the day before Trump plans to be there. We'll beat him at his own game. So there's Joey Cornpop joining the strikers. And the Met press is heralding all of this. And now they can say, oh, yeah, and Donald Trump plans to join in the day after. How stupid. It, it's all I can say. This is a no-brainer. You do not announce these strategic things to try to, because you're in a love fest with the accolades from the people who like you. you say, oh, great strategy, great strategy. Uh, not. Number four. Now, I've touched on this, but I've broken it out separately because <clears throat> and the more he slams DeSantis, the more I like DeSantis. I told you before, he's just handing ammo to the Democrats. He's just giving them a ton. But he does not need to make himself more unlikable. We got enough of that. I don't care how much I don't like his personal behavior, and sometimes I like his behavior. I like him being a bull in a china shop. 2016, 2020, but mostly 2016, there's a lot of China that needed to just be flat out busted. I like that about the Donald. I like the fact that he doesn't care what people think of him. Up to a point. He can't be looked like the Mad Max of the of the Republican Party here all the time and think that he's going to endear more and more people to him. 
He can't do that. Quit adding to reasons to dislike you, Donald, where after a while, I mean, I have people who love him say, honestly, I just can't stand him anymore. Yeah, I'll vote for him. And I'd like him to be the candidate probably more than anybody else. But I actually just talked to a party who has the, the diehard Trump, if he ever was, and I have been, and I, I, I want the guy in there, but this guy told me what I expected. He said, you know what? When I heard Ramaswamy last night, I finally pulled the lever and I moved over. And he said, I, I couldn't believe how good he was. Next, I got to get done with this part because I got more to share. Trump needs to go to the debate. He cannot uh, have... He cannot continue to slam debates and then criticize the Democrats because the Democrats won't let RFK Jr. into a debate. So you can't slam the Democrats for not letting RFK Jr. into a debate, and then you don't go to the debate yourself. And he's not there to defend himself. He's got some things that, yes, he did raise the national debt $7 trillion. Joe's up to $5 trillion. And he's got more time to beat Trump at it. But right now, Trump has raised the national debt more than, than Biden. He's not there to defend himself. So I'm going to re restate my projections here with some advice. I, I said in late March, late March, late March, that Gavin Newsom will be the candidate. I'm sticking with it. I said on June 21st, I predicted that Gavin Newsom will be president. Now, it's with a caveat. If it's Trump against Biden, absent voter fraud. Voter fraud is the biggest difference in all of this. If voter fraud's in there, all of this isn't worth crap. But if there's no voter, voter fraud, Trump beats Biden. No voter fraud, Trump loses to Gavin Newsom. No voter fraud, Ramaswamy will definitely beat Biden, and he could beat Newsom. He's sharper than Newsom. Oh, my gosh, did he bury Newsom the other day on the issue of climate change? Newsom's waxing obnoxious. He's an idiot on some things, but he's smooth. Ramaswamy slammed him. He came back with a little, he said, hey, hey Governor, just a little uh, inconvenient truth for you. 800% more people die because of cold than heat. That's right. 800% more people die from freezing to death because they're too cold than because it's too hot or because of climatic reasons. Ramaswamy is so stinking smart, and he's righteous in his values. He really is. Look him up. Top 10 things that Ramaswamy believes. You're on the wrong track if you disagree with any of them. He would bury Gavin Greaseball Gruesome in a debate. Sharper, quicker, on his feet. He's brilliant. Gruesome is, is sharp. He's charismatic, but he's not that sharp. and He's not that charismatic when somebody can bury him without having to use a hatchet to do it. So this is why you need to vote for Ramaswamy in the primary. You do. You need to vote for him. I don't care. Look, if Trump's a candidate, Hallelujah, fine, I'll be by him, behind him 100%, even though I think Ramaswamy is smarter, sharper. He is actually more moral on the key issues than Donald Trump. He's got the right uh, approach to foreign policy. 
but you need to vote for him, even if you like Trump. Here's why. Trump does not need your vote in the Republican primary. He does not need your vote. Ramaswamy needs to be put into a position where he's such a clear second that Trump is forced to pick him. Or alternatively, if Trump gets killed, sick, injured, he's off the ballot, he's in prison for whatever reason he's not, there needs to be a clear second-choice person who now is the clear first-choice person. I don't want Ramaswamy battling it out with five other people if Trump is off the ticket. I want him so many points ahead of the rest of the pack that if Trump's gone, he's the obvious second choice. And if you like him enough to do that, vote for him in your primary. You need to. I got so much more. I got so much more to say here. But I, I want to just share this little bit in the end. Why I like Ramaswamy, I've, I've told you a, a lot of things, but I like his smile, his positive act, attitude. There's a Bible passage that says, my people perish for a lack of vision. Now, you're going to say, no, it says my people perish for lack of knowledge. It, sa you're, it says both. People perish, my people perish for a lack of vision and knowledge. It's just that they're not in the same passage. Ramaswamy offers a vision. He offers hope, a smile. He doesn't care what anybody else says on that stage. He said, I don't care if I go down in flames. I'm going to tell you the truth, and this is from my heart. And I, don't, I know I don't have the backing of the rhinos and the establishment, but that's why I'm getting attacked, because they don't want an outsider coming in like Trump came in, an outsider, and he's Trump's biggest fan on that stage. Without doubt, Trump's a, he said Trump is the best modern-day president. But in saying that Trump is the best modern-day president, he acted with all of the diplomacy, the courtesy, and the hope and vision of a Ronald Reagan. And if you don't didn't watch that debate, you need to watch it and at least cover the opening. Go to the end and listen to his closing statement. Close your eyes and tell me if you don't think you're hearing Ramaswamy. <laughs> channel Ronald Reagan. <clears throat> Ronald Reagan, if he heard that and could rise from the dead, would come up and have given Ramaswamy a standing ovation in the very venue that was built to commemorate the greatness of Ronald Reagan. Trump is about getting even. It doesn't resonate anymore. Not, it, it's bothersome. Ramaswamy is about getting America back to its roots. Yeah, he is mega 2.0, but he comes with a smile and a vision. He's smarter than Trump. He's hot, more moral than Trump. He's nicer than Trump. All, Trump offers revenge, and Ramaswamy's offering hope. And at 38 years old, we need a connection to the next generation. The Trump vision will not make it to a Trump successor. Ramaswamy at 38 maybe holding down, he can create a new generation or multiple generations of conservatives with a different attitude, a, a vision of, hey, this is where immigrants can make a difference. Oh, my gosh, I got so much more. I think I just need to pick up here next week. I, but I just want to encourage you, America, sit tall in the saddle. You ride for the brand, the brand of Jesus Christ. Vote your values.
Vote your values. God sets up kings and he takes them down. Uh, you know what? i got to say that to next week. God bless you. We will see you next week on The Robin Walter Show.